Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham, and this time we're going to be talking to one of the oldest and most important nonprofits in the state of Oregon. On the show this time, I'd like to welcome Susan Huntington. Susan is CEO of Boys and Girls Aid. Hey there, Susan. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Hello, Gary. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah. So tell me all about Boys and Girls Aid. What is it? Boys and Girls Aid is Oregon's oldest child welfare agency. We were founded in 1885 when the Transcontinental Railroad ended in Portland. And um, all these kids were getting off of the train without families or families were being separated for work. Um, And there were citizens and business owners of downtown Portland who saw kids sort of just running about and thought, how are they going to be in school and how is their success going to be and how can we help? And Boys and Girls Aid was founded to ensure that kids were being raised by uh, loving and caring adults. And we do the same thing today, 137 years later. We want to ensure that kids are having loving and caring adults in their lives because we believe that that we all do better when someone's there to help us and hold us accountable and love us and guide us through. Absolutely. So um, obviously you haven't been around for all of those 137 years, but how have things changed just in your time with Boys and Girls Aid? You know, it's so interesting because uh, we have all of our original documents from 137 years ago. And I will say what the biggest change is, which is a good change, is the way we treat kids today versus how we sort of felt about children uh, 137 years ago. Uh, And so there's more value placed, I believe, on the identities and uniqueness of children today. Just in the 15 years that I've been at Boys and Girls Aid, uh, we've really honed in on what we believe to be the most important thing for children, which is permanency. And that, again, just means that kids will do better and have better outcomes when they are loved and cared for and have that safe place to fall when they have made a mistake. We've all made mistakes in our younger youth and uh, to have parents and a family to fall back on just, just helps everyone do better and be better citizens in our community. We can all identify with that. You know, we, right? everybody needs a little help now and again. Everybody. Yes. Yes. How many uh, kids are you guys serving? On an annual basis, we serve about a thousand children and families. Uh, we serve children as young as birth uh, to the age of 23. 
sometimes 24, uh, in a variety of different programs. On any given night, if all of our programs were full, we would serve 214 youth every day. Um, and we do that, again, through a variety of programs. We have nine different programs that are serving youth directly. Um, and we have residential facilities 24-7. We have a homeless and runaway youth shelter. We have day drop-in programming. So we really try to cover all of the ways that we can serve these youth in the best way possible. How do these kids get into a system of care? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think what's probably the biggest miss, um, what am I trying to say? It, it's, the, it's the biggest challenge that we have when we talk about how, who these kids are. You know, kids enter a system of care, whether that's Department of Human Services and what we know as foster care, whether that's the juvenile justice system, but kids enter a system of care mostly because of neglect and abuse in their home. And these systems of care are designed um, for safety of the child uh, and community safety. The juvenile justice system would argue that, you know, it's community safety that is first and foremost. And so kids enter these systems of care because they have been placed at no fault of their own in a situation that isn't attainable, that isn't safe, um, that they're not having their basic needs met. And when your basic needs aren't met, the circle of the cycle of what comes next just seems to go downhill very quickly. And, you know, a lot of our kids who will end up in the juvenile justice system our kids who um, maybe home life was okay and safe, but a lot of neglect, a lot of just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And once you're in the juvenile justice system, you're being swept along in a system of care. And we're trying to be a part of the solution when kids are placed in that system of care. Do you find that kids, once they get in that system, it's hard to get out of that system? It is. It can be very difficult. And it depends, you know, it, it, when I first came into social service work, I heard so often it depends. It depends. And I thought, well, can't can't we have something more concrete than it just depends? But having been doing this work for 15 years, it depends. You know, on any given night here in Oregon, there will be 8,000 children who spend one night in foster care. And about 50% of those kids do return home. So there's 4,000 young people who are in the foster care system who are going to continue to be in that foster care system until things do change at home, until parental rights have been relinquished, until permanency is found. And those kids are the kids that I'm most concerned about. Those are the, those are the children who are tumbling through the system of care. A foster child on average will move four times a year which means that they're living with four different strangers. They're going to four different school systems, potentially four different schools. They aren't any place long enough to really have roots. They're not any place long enough to like find that teacher who's going to be their advocate um, or a place where they can really grow because they're not getting to lay down any sort of roots. And then with every move comes more trauma with every trauma comes more behavior, with every behavior comes more moving, and this kid can tumble in foster care for a very long time. And ultimately, you know, could potentially age out of the foster care system, which is the thing we absolutely, nobody should ever want a child to age out of foster care system. And a lot of times these kids show up late at night with just the, just the clothes on their backs, right? 
They do. We do take children in the middle of the night with just the clothes on their back or a trash bag filled with the things that they felt they needed to have with them. You know, when a child is is asked to move, their a DHS caseworker shows up and they likely don't know who this person is and they're handed a trash bag and say, pack what you'd like to take with you, take with you where. This child doesn't know, doesn't know for how long. And so, you know, it's it's interesting to see <laughs> what they thought was important for them to, to bring with them. Um, and then when that move happens again, it's it's another caseworker, might be the same one, but it might not be, who again gives you a trash bag and says, pack your things. And along the way, kids lose their things. Right. Um, they lose themselves and they are just moving from place to place. I've heard foster care children talk about that it felt like they were just ghosts not really ever seeing, but just being moved from place to place. That's and tough. That's it's tough hard to when you're doing that in the middle of the night. Yeah. We're talking today with Susan Huntington, CEO of Boys and Girls Aid. Susan, um, how do kids get to Boys and Girls Aid? Yeah, Boys and Girls Aid contracts with our systems of care, and that's the Oregon Department of Human Services and our juvenile justice system. We have contracts where we are able to have access to these youth and DHS caseworkers uh, contact us and say that they have a youth for referral. And hopefully we have a foster bed available that we're able to take those youth into our care. Boys and Girls Aid is an agency that serves a higher level, um, a higher, we, we provide a higher level of care for a foster youth who needs a higher level of care. So all of our programs are offering 24-hour sight and sound supervision, which is different than um, a child who might just be in the care of DHS and you're a foster family with DHS. Those kids maybe don't require 24-7 uh, sight and sound supervision. Our kids that we serve have experienced tremendous trauma and just need that extra level of support. Tell me about some of the uh, specialized care these kids might need. We do everything, uh, all of our programming is through the, the lens of trauma-informed care, which means that we're really meeting kids where they're at. And what that means is not why do you behave this way, but what has happened to you. And we work at what has happened to you, and we help kids understand what has happened to them, where they are right now, and what we think might be happening. Um, being real with kids, being honest with kids, um, and sometimes that honesty is we don't know how long you'll be with us and we don't know when you'll get to go back home. Um, it's helping kids understand where they've come from. So many times we get a child who's moved 15 times in three years and they don't even remember where their home was. So trying to get them that historical factual information to help them see that they have been participating in their life and this is what their life looked like and here's where we are today. So really meeting them with their trauma. There is so much grief and loss for these kids who are removed from their home. And, and no matter how bad it may have been at home, children want to be loved and cared for by their parents. Mm -hmm. And you hear that today among adults who, who maybe had a really terrible, abusive life at home and want nothing more than their family to love and care for them. And that's all these kids want too. So the grief and loss that comes with not being at home, not being with mom and dad, not being with their pets, not being in their school district, not being with the friends they made on in their neighborhood, it's really hard. And so we, we talk openly about that grief and that loss. What age groups do you mainly work with? 
You know, we mainly work with teenagers, I would say, um, between the, you know, really between the ages of 12 and, and 18. Um, we do a program for younger children, but, but most of our kids are in those teenage years, um, which sometimes people are like, oh, gosh, those are some hard years. And they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but these kids, you know, are no different than your teenagers or maybe as you were as a teenager. Um, they just they want to be seen and they want to be heard uh, and, they, and they want to be cared for. Yeah, tell me, tell me what it's like uh, if somebody's thinking about fostering a teenager, what, what should they expect and what, uh, what, what guidance do you give them? Yeah, we have a real need right now for foster parents and that those foster parents are mostly for our teenagers. And what we hear a lot of is, gosh, teenagers feel scary. Um, they're big, right? They mm-hmm. might be taller than I am. Um, they're awkward in their gangly movements. They um, are brooding. They, <laughs> they're not always happy, yeah. right? They're teenagers. And on top of all of that, they have had this trauma and this grief and this loss and behaviors that um, feel aggressive when really they just need someone to meet them where they're at. And so what we say to our foster families who are looking to foster children who are teenagers is that this will be the hardest job you will ever love and be rewarded by. And these are kids who are not unlike any other teenager that you've ever had in your life. And to give them the extra space, we give our foster parents a lot of training. So they, they are well equipped to work with the behaviors that our teenagers have, but it can be daunting. For sure. Yeah. They just think about what you were like, what I was like as a teenager and, yes. and yes. Um, yeah, it's and there are 14 year olds. There are 14 year olds who act like 10 year olds, but who look like 20 year olds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so that also can feel intimidating. When you say aging out of the foster care system, what do you mean by that? Yeah, our foster care system is is designed to ensure that kids are getting to some level of permanency before they turn 18. At 18, a child is considered an adult and does not need to be in the system of care. So they're released from the system of care. They do have an option to stay in foster care until their mid-20s, um, but most kids are done. They're done being told what to do. They're done living in different homes. They're done being programmed. Uh meaning that you're in this program and these are our rules. Now you're in this program and these are our rules. They're, they're really, they're ready to be independent, even though they have no idea how to do that and what that looks like. And so at the age of 18, you're given the option to leave your foster care home that you're currently in and kids do that. And they age into really homelessness. Very few have a place to go and to be. There are some transitional living programs available in Oregon that kids might fall into, but kids are really ready to be out of some sort of program. They, they really want to be independent. They're tired of being told what to do by all these different people who they don't think have their best interest or understand what they're going through. And, you know, it's the, the outcomes for these kids is real dismal. You know, 70% of youth who age out of foster care who are girls will be pregnant in the first year. Um, Only 30% of youth who age out of foster care see any college time whatsoever. 
um, compared to their peers who, you know, are, are 70% of those kids are going, having some college experience. Um, the incarceration rate for boys who age out of foster care is incredibly high, disproportionately high. And the outcomes just aren't great. They don't have, they don't have any money. They don't have any skill set. They maybe graduated high school, but they maybe didn't. There's just no real safe place for these kids to land. And then once you exit care, you can't come back into care, okay. which is, a, I think, a system flaw. But, you know, there's no safe place for these kids to land. So when I left home and then realized I needed to come back home, I had a place to go. Mm -hmm. These kids don't have that. And so it's really difficult for them. Undoubtedly. Wow. Yeah. Aging out as a community, as citizens of this world, that we all should be in favor of children not aging out of foster care and, and really helping them to end the cycle um, of homelessness because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It definitely is a cycle because once they get out there on their own and it just kind of, kind of maybe starts all over again, right? It's near impossible, right? Because how do you get a job when you don't have a place to live and when your basic needs aren't being met? How do you then go to work? How do you get to work? How do you pay for that because you don't have a job yet to even get there? And your basic needs aren't being met. So every day is unstable. Every day is uncertain. So you might be missing work because you couldn't get to work, even though you want to be there. Mm -hmm. And now you don't have work. And it just, it takes a lot for kids to not land in that cycle. Yeah. And it's kind of, at some point, it's kind of all they know, right? That the whole system is the only, that's the only experience they have in their life. It's the only experience they have. Now, I will say foster care children have grit and resilience and they are resourceful and they still need help and they don't know because they've lived um in this system of care they haven't seen healthy adult relationships potentially they they don't know what it means maybe to go to work every day possibly like they just they don't have they haven't had consistent role models in their lives to just even show them the way um, you know, I've, I'm sure you've heard this too, Gary, our kids are always watching, right? They're listening, oh, yeah. they're watching. And when you don't have anyone to listen or watch, you, you really, you get out there and you don't know what you're doing at all. We're talking today with Susan Huntington, CEO of Boys and Girls Aid. Uh, Susan, let's talk about the programs that Boys and Girls Aid offers. Yeah, so we, I would say we have three real systems, uh, three real programs of care, if you will. So we serve children who are living in foster care through our own foster homes that we recruit and certify and support. We have a residential program where kids are living in foster care. Then we also have a bucket of care where we are serving our shelter and housing services, where we're working with the older teens and young adults to end that cycle of homelessness. We have a youth shelter in Washington County. We have um, different programs for transitional living, helping kids to get that independence so that they can stop the cycle of homelessness. Um, and then we have a whole um, program system where we are working with children who are ready to be adopted, who are waiting in the foster care system for their forever family. And we're working with those kids to ensure that they have success um, recruiting for families for those children, 
working through their trauma, their grief, and their loss so that when they find their forever family, more success can come to them. How do you find the foster parents? What's, what's that process like? Yeah, I wish there was a silver bullet for saying this is where they all are and this is, <laughs> this is how we get them. We're looking for families who are really invested in children and we recruit in every way possible, social media, in-person, canvassing, libraries, where families might be hanging out um, in, in, in neighborhoods. You know, there are foster care children living in every neighborhood. Uh, in Oregon. And so we, we, our net is wide to find the right fit for the children that we serve. What's the process like for becoming a foster parent? Is that uh, a lengthy process? Uh, it can be. It, it probably takes about three months is probably a fast track. Uh, it goes as fast as the foster parent sort of is working as well. There's an application process of, of course, a home study, um, making sure that, you know, there are certain rules around having kids in your home. So the foster care child has to have their own bedroom um, with a door and a window. So we're checking for things like that, lots of safety features in the home. Um, and then there's training, lots of pre-training before a child ever goes into the home. And so it takes about three months to six months from start first info session to there's a child in your home. Who can be a foster parent? Anyone? I mean, really almost anyone. Uh, you, you need to be 21 years of age and older. You need to have the space in your home or apartment. Um, some of our programs, we require a two-parent or, or two-adult home. Um, some programs, we don't require that. Our foster families who serve our youth are going to receive anywhere from $1,200 to $3,500 in a tax-free stipend for caring for those child or children. Um, that we have families who are dual income families. We have families with a single income. We have um, families who are same-sex couples. We have younger families. We have older families. We really, it really is about, do you have the space in your heart and in your home to make a difference for a child who needs you right now? And how does Boys and Girls Aid help support foster parents? If you asked our foster parents, you'd say training. They would say training, training, training. So much training. Oh, my goodness, with the training. <laughs> we, we really think it's important that our foster families really understand trauma, that they understand um, how to problem solve with these youth, that they understand the importance of permanency and what that looks like that they understand the skills, you know, kids who've moved and moved and moved. This child might be 14, but hasn't really been to school for two straight years right. or the last grade they actually completed was third grade, but they're supposed to be in seventh grade. And there's a lot of missing information and skill set. So we work with foster parents to help identify what that looks like and then how they can help those kids. Um, and our foster families are real advocates for these children, making sure that they're getting what they need when they're going to school and make sure that they're getting what they're supposed to be getting from their caseworkers at DHS. They're really important and critical in their care team. We've got a couple of minutes left, Susan. So I want to ask you, um, what's your dream outcome for these kids? What, what are you guys hoping for? 
my dream outcome for these children is that every child lands in a loving and caring home, whether that's back home because everything got worked out, whether that's with another family. But I, I so firmly believe that that kids will do better. And just life is life is not easy all the time for everyone in the best of circumstances. So can we please give these kids 8,000 children need a lift? And my best outcome would be that we're able to do that, is to give a lift and support to, to the children who need it the most. Ultimately, the best day would be the Boys and Girls Day because there are no more children in foster care. Oh. That day is probably not in my future, <laughs> um, but that, that would also be an ultimate outcome. Hey, you're one of those organizations that would prefer not to exist. We, it would be the best day. Yeah. It would be the best day that we didn't exist because there weren't children in need. That's great. Uh, what's the best place to get some more information about Boys and Girls Aid? We have a great website, boysandgirlsaid.org. All kinds of information there. And a super quick, easy button that says become a foster parent. And so if you're interested in learning more, I really encourage people If they're interested at all, just come to an info session, no pressure, learn more, and then make a decision. But that info session is really, it's the place where you're going to get the the best initial information to know if this is a journey that you're ready for. Susan, it's very apparent that you're passionate about your work. I am. This is the hardest work I've ever done, the most rewarding, and um, it, it means a lot. And we have had some really great successes, and that's what keeps me going. Awesome. We've been talking today with Susan Huntington, CEO of Boys and Girls Aid. Susan, thanks so much for being on the show. This has been great. This has been great, Gary. Thank you so much. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.